the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It was Charles Wesley who said, Our people die well. And that's the question we ask you today as we close out our series on the life of David. Join us, won't you? It is appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. Statistics are clear. Ten out of ten of us will experience that event. So the question then remains is, will you be passing away or passing on? Do you have a legacy that will live on after you take your last breath? Well, we close out our look at the life of David here in First Chronicles, chapters 28 and 29, passing away or passing on. How do we end our lives well? From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, here's Pastor Phil Howard. And today's edition of Truth For Today. He said of David, for when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his fathers and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead, Christ, did not see decay. But notice that epitaph. When David had served God's purpose in his own generation, that was the only reason he was alive, God let him die. He fell asleep. And maybe that is exactly what our epitaph is going to be, and I'm sure it is. That once you have served God's purpose in your generation, the next step is for God to take you home. You're only here on a divine mission as a believer. Served God's purpose in his generation, and then he went home. Uh, I was thinking about, uh, are you going to pass away or are you going to pass something on? We see in the last days of David, he's not just passing away. He's not just having birthdays. He's not just consuming resources and space. The man, until he dies, is spending himself, investing himself, investing his resources, his influence. The man, up to the time he dies, goes out passing it on. And not just passing away. And I begin to think of generations. You know, if you had your grandparents and your parents and then you. And then if you had children, there's four generations. I've already uh, been done with two generations of my family. Grandparents been gone a long time. Parents been gone pretty good number of years. My dad, 29 years. Well, uh, I move up. I'm one of the five living. It's one of us five kids that have got to die next. Then after me are children. After me are some grandchildren. And uh, when you move up, and I, 
find myself moving up into that slot that I'm the generation that's supposed to die. I've got children. I've got, I am a grandfather. So I'm the logical one to die next. So what do you do with your influence as you get older? And you know you're passing off of the scene. What do you do? Do you uh, become a hermit? Do you become bitter over the disappointments of life? Uh, do you pull over the covers of life and just kind of drop out, fade out? Because if you're not young, you can't do anything for God, you know. The younger generation is the one that we can't expect much from God or for God. They're trying to figure out, is it drugs, sex, booze, money, or God? If you've lived 50 years, you're supposed to have found out what to live for. You've probably tried enough of the poison wells of this world to know they can't quench your thirst. And so now we, who are the generation that ought to be passing away, ought to really be passing it on. And you're going to see this in the life of David. Uh, what a wonderful thing that he does. I read a definition of Generation X, which many of you are. And by the way, the bulletin, uh, just a misprint, it's not 82, 18-something. Uh, the definition is Generation X is a group of people born between 1961 and 1972. Any of you qualified? Typified by college education. Dissatisfaction with career opportunities. And pessimism. And I took that right out of the American Heritage College Dictionary. Isn't that amazing? I would not like to be described that way myself. Uh, but when David gets ready to pass away, uh, he passes on at least five things I pick up in the last days recorded in First Chronicles. And I want to take you on that journey. I think the first thing that he passes on unmistakably is his passion for God. Look at uh, 1 Chronicles 22. It's in the Old Testament, about 548 in my Bible. I'm not talking about San Francisco Chronicle. Notice what this guy begins to do. God's told him, you won't build the temple. Uh, that, that's a no-no. And you've made some mistakes. He's now probably in his late 60s. As we read the Chronicles narrative, maybe 65, he lives to be 70. And uh, what does he do in these last days? I think if anything he passes on to an onlooking son, Solomon, and a nation, is this man is still passionate about God. He's still passionate about building a place where the God who delivered me from Goliath, the God who kept me at the cave of Adullam, the God who's delivered me from the Philistines. The God who's delivered me, forgiven me, kept me, watched over me, looked me up when nobody thought I could ever be a king. I want to devote everything about my last days to seeing that a place is built for my God. I want you to know who made David great. I want you to know who was really there when there were no armies when I was not a king, when I was a fugitive and an outlaw running from an insane Saul, I want to build something that leaves a legacy and a tribute to the God who brought me to the kingdom. I've made it in life, not because I'm a self-made man. David is not a self-made man. 
He's a God-made man. He's a God-protected man, a God-led man, a man who had a heart for God, and his passion does not ebb with age and birthdays. And look at what he does. When you look at chapter 22, verses 2 through 4, he, he starts preparing to get all this material for the temple. Now, he can't even build it. He won't even attend a service in it, but he's scrambling around, says, we've got to get this, my son. We've got to get men to build the doors. We need nails for the doors. Then in verse 17 of chapter 22, he tells them, we need the leaders of Israel. God's going to help you build this temple. And so he's instructing them. Watch in verse 14, 22, 14. I have taken great pains to provide for the temple of the Lord a hundred thousand talents of gold, a million talents of silver, quantities of bronze and iron too great to be weighed, and wood and stone, and you may add to them. And he's accumulating all this wealth for a building project he won't get to do. Uh, chapter 23, he uh, uh, begins to lay out the or, and organize the Levites. In verse 3, the Levites, 30 years old or more, were counted. Of these, 24,000 are to supervise the work of the temple. Think of that. 24,000 supervisors. That's uh, 24,000 Rollins and Judy Chans. And, and uh, you know, Catherine Lottie Bodie, 24,000 of them. 4,000 are to be gatekeepers. And 4,000 are to praise the Lord with the musical instruments. Did they believe in music? 4,000 dedicated to music. I mean, all week they got to practice. Amazing. 24, he organizes how the priests are going to serve. 25. He uh, goes back to the music team. He knows they need lots of guidance because prophecy went along with instruments. In 25.3, he said, they prophesy using the harp in thanking and praising the Lord. Interesting. While he's playing the music, prophecy many times took place. He said, we've got to have musicians so we can hear from heaven. Verse 6. All these men were under the supervision of their fathers for the music of the temple of the Lord with cymbals. Uh, we just had one today. Some of you just rattle when he hits them, but uh, they had cymbals, lyres, harps, that's the guitars, pianos, for the ministry of the house of God. And they had all kinds of, David organizes all this stuff. The gatekeepers in chapter 26. I can't imagine I'd even want to be bothered. Sets out the army divisions in 27. In 28, he summons the people to come together. And uh, he starts talking to the officials of Israel. And he said, uh, I want you to know I wanted to build God a house. But he won't let me do it. So I'm mad. No, no, no. Verse 2, King David rose to his feet and said, Listen to me, my brothers and my people. I had it in my heart to build a house as a place of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord, for the footstool of our God, and I made plans to build it. 
But God said to me, you are not to build a house for my name because you are a warrior and have shed blood. Yet God chose his son. And what does he do? What does he do with the no? He gives David the plans to build it. In verse 11, and we'll look at that. He gathers all this material. Chapter 29, he makes offerings that you can't imagine. You see, David was passionate about God, whether he got the position or not. And I think some of us need to get over being in love with position and get in love with God. Positions come and go. You can be a deacon one year and not another year. You can be an elder and then not one. A pastor and not one. A missionary, not one. But if your passion is your God, you won't make your demotions your excuse not to have the passion. The passion doesn't come from the position. Someone has said, the fighter is not made in the ring. He's revealed in the ring. And leaders are never revealed when you give them a title. They must be revealed so that you give them a title. You've got to see passion for God before you ever declare them to be something. And this man, David, oh, I, as I think of life, and I think if I were about 68 years of age, coming quicker than I ever dreamed, of what would be my status if I thought I was leaving this church in the next two years or the next year? Would I still be passionate for God or is it tied to me being the pastor? Is it tied to being on a payroll? Is that where you get the passion for God? I got to be a pastor to really be passionate about the cross and about the resurrection, about seeing God ultimately. Keep all your positions. Give me God. I want God. I don't need positions. I need Him. And I want Him to be known. I want my grandchildren to know God, not to know that I was a pastor. I was reading the Sister Lomi a book on William Booth, the founder of Salvation Army. They had a uh, birthday party for him when he was 83. And he was able to go to this celebration. Matter of fact, at 83 in 1912, he addressed 10,000 people at his birthday party. I'd be glad to eat the food. And they met at Albert Hall, and he made a public appearance and announced, I'm going into dry dock for repairs. He was losing his eyesight. They heard the bent and nearly blind old man declare, while women weep as they do now, I'll fight. While little children go hungry as they do now in the slums of London, I'll fight. While men go to prison, in and out, in and out, I'll fight. While there is a poor lost girl up on the streets, I'll fight. Where there yet remains one dark soul without the light of God, I'll fight, I'll fight to the very end. I hope that you that are the next to die are in the business of passing on your passion for God to the next generation. Whether it's your children, your grandchildren, your sphere of influence, uh, go out being passionate about God.
I hear Paul say, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Romans 12, 11. I hear Jesus say to Laodicea, uh, don't ever get to the place you lose your temperature for God. You may lose your mobility. You may uh, lose your health. Uh, you may lose uh, agility. But don't lose the temperature in your soul. And if you can't get here by, physically, keep praying. Keep trusting. But leave a legacy. And I would love, oh, I would love that. If when you're burying me, you'd say, we never knew anybody in his generation in this area who had any more passion for God. I'm not saying that's true now, but I would love it to be. Packer said in his book, Knowing God, he said, those who know God well have great energy for God, great thoughts of God, great boldness for God, and great contentment in God. If you know God well, let me tell you, whatever generation you are, get busy for God. Get involved. You're going to be dead quicker than you dreamed. If you're 21 years of age, you won't realize how quick we'll be burying you. It'll be all over so quick. And do not say, I spent all my life chasing endless roads, false butterflies, and fool's gold. I counted for nothing, but I had a thousand parties, a thousand trips, but I have nothing in my hands. David, at the end of his life, could say, I fought the Lord's battles, I wrote songs for God, I praised this God, and my mistakes have been forgiven. And I've been restored. And one thing that goes on the record, Solomon can see, oh, my dad was passionate about the God who led him. Pass it on. And I think the second thing I would just lift uh, might be stretching a bit, but it's a wonderful thing. In verse 11, he, he left some plans for his son. God gave him the plans for building. We ought to call it David's temple as far as I'm concerned. David fought the wars, but it's Solomon's temple, but it bugs me. Uh, then David gave his son Solomon the plans for the portico of the temple. Verse 12, he gave him the plans of all that the Spirit had put in his man, mind. Verse 13, he gave him instructions. Down in verse uh, 18, he also gave him the plan for the chariot. Uh, I ask, are you making any plans for God that you could pass on to anyone? Most of us can't even plan a vacation. I, I get a little weary sometimes that all the thrust is how to make a will out to know what to do with me when I'm dead, and I've never wrote out a plan for what to do while I'm staying alive. Some folks have made a will, and when I'm dead, I want to sung at my funeral. And you won't even be able to get to change it if we don't pick that song. Too bad. I did one funeral, and the last song at the funeral was All My Exes Live in Texas. That's right. I watched the people go by. She'd been married five times. And as they went by, they just played the song and did a little line dancing and just kind of, it was a little bit different. It was a little bit different. I had nothing to do with it. I just did the funeral. 
I don't get to pick them. I just do them. Uh, plans. Uh, Howard Hendricks tells the story of a woman that was about 89 years of age in Dallas, Texas. And uh, it was in the month of December and she passed away. Uh, was a go-getter saint. Really loved the Lord. And when they went in and going through her things, she'd been at the desk. And they found her resolutions and her plans for the next 10 years of what she wanted to do for God. At 89. Do you have any such plans? Or are you in the passive mode? Uh, well, I'm retired, maybe. or so. I'm just going to, I see some people, I'm just waiting. You're waiting for what? I'm waiting for it to hit. It's going to be a rock. I just, I just kind of, I'm, I'm waiting. Yeah? We just need to push you over. Don't be passive. Do you have a plan of what you would like to do for God and you want to pass it on to someone? Don't stop thinking about God's work in the future. As long as you're sound of mind and you've got influence and David had influence, whatever your influence, it'd be wonderful if you had some plans and dreams for God. You know, the church really doesn't want to hear what our plans or dreams are. You're just recovering from moving in here. Don't get around David. David just turned 64 and he hasn't let up. Uh, he thinks we need to trust God for 20 million. That's crazy, isn't it? 20 million. I mean, God's not into those figures. Well, I never thought he was into a 5.5 million building. It's really about a 6.6 .6 million. Not at Holy Ghost Hall. Couldn't imagine it. You know what? If we got to do what we wanted to do, I mean, I'm, I'll quote our most optimistic guy around here. David, a little far-fetched, too much pizza maybe, or maybe just faith in God. Thanks God can do it. If we could, if we could, if we wrote out our plans, if our leadership team just left this church a plan for some young blood to take this church and lead it on, get one about 29, we would say get the 14 acres over there, develop a youth center, recreation field, and maybe even retirement housing. Uh, get the radio broadcast on every day if you could. Go ahead and fully develop another Bible school on campus that we already are talking and dreaming. Uh, go ahead and uh, do this. Uh, the college career group ought to be 250 young people. We ought to have a strong college focus. We need our young people to be more than just clerks. We'd love for them to become professionals. Show people that Christianity is not mindless. That a young person can study. That a young person can earn a degree and still be an evangelical Christian. Christianity is not for the mindless nor the lazy. This faith would have already died had somebody not engaged their mind to defend the faith. You can't get rid of this faith. It will last, it will outlast Voltaire, every Ingersoll, every infidel, it will outlast Hitler. And that will conclude our time today here on Truth For Today from Valley Bible Church in Hercules with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. 
As we close out our broadcast, we would invite you to join us for worship here at Valley Bible Church, and we would also invite you to stop by our website and take advantage of added resource materials we've made available through this ministry. You see, as we come to you on a daily basis, it's our hope and desire that you grow in Christ, that you find yourself sustained by His grace through the teaching and preaching of His Word. Along those lines, we've created Truth For Today Radio, which is a website that contains a lot of other extracurricular resource materials that you can add to your relationship with Christ as you seek to grow in Him. We also have information about who we are, what we believe, and worship opportunities at Valley Bible Church, where this broadcast originates, here in Hercules. We have directions, we have service times, all of it. It's available at truthfortodayradio.org. If you would like to contact us by phone, you're welcome to do so at 855-833-9864. Again, that's 855-833-9864. As always, you're welcome to write to us. The address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. We would also ask you to prayerfully consider partnering with us, not just prayerfully, but financially as well, as this broadcast and the many resource materials available along with it are available as you link arms with us financially and prayerfully. Our goal and desire is to minister to the greater Bay Area, and we can do that more and more as you link arms with us, again, financially and prayerfully. No gift is too small, no gift is too large, and whether it's a one-time gift or monthly gift, it's all appreciated, and your prayers even more so. Reach us at truthfortodayradio.org or call 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.